Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. You're here with me, Danco, on Market View. And now let's get you up to speed with what's happening in the markets. Asia Pacific stocks are trading mixed this morning with Japan leading the way up by 0.16%. Korea is flat and Australia is slightly underwater by 0.47%. Now these latest moves follow a down day on Wall Street with the Dow Jones Industrial Average losing 0.12% to close in at 33,553 points. The Nasdaq Composite fell 1.54% to 11,183 points. And the S&P 500 dipped 0.83% to close in at 3,958. Now this came after Target reported a decline in sales as families deal with high inflation heading into the biggest shopping season of the year for retailers. The warning weighed on stocks, sending Target down more than 13% for its worst day since May. In its third quarter earnings report, Target reported a 50% decline in profit as it cleared through unwanted inventory and sales slowed, heading into the holidays, prompting the company to lower its expectations for retailers' most important time of the year. The company also says it plans to cut up to $3 billion in total costs over the next three years, citing the need to be more efficient after two years of dramatic sales gains. While it did not provide an outlook beyond the holiday quarter, it says it expects tough conditions to persist. And this marks a stark contrast to the U.S. retail sales data that was released overnight, as it was revealed that the U.S. retail sales posted its biggest increase in eight months in October, indicating demand for goods is broadly holding up, despite decades' high inflation and worsening economic outlook. The Commerce Department data showed the value of overall retail purchases climbing 1.3% last month after stagnating in September. And the data suggests that consumers are continuing to prove largely resilient and that the economy got off to a good start to the fourth quarter. However, it may further complicate the argument posed by several Federal Reserve officials that are pushing for a slower pace of interest hikes in the coming months. Later today, investors will be watching out for the release of weekly jobless claims and the latest reports on October housing starts and building permits. Meanwhile, some notable movers overnight are NVIDIA, the first on the list, reported its third quarter results with its sales beating analyst expectations, but earnings per share coming in light. Shares of NVIDIA rose 1% in extended trading hours. Now, gross margin for the third quarter was down 11.6 percentage points to 53.6%, and revenue was also down 17% on a year-on-year basis. But there's some bright spots to watch out for with NVIDIA's data center business, which reported a $3.83 billion in sales up 31% year-on-year. NVIDIA attributed the growth to sales to U.S. cloud service providers and consumer internet companies. Cisco also reported its first quarter results that beat analyst estimates and boosted its guidance for fiscal 2023. The stock rose about 5% in extended trading hour as revenue increased 6% year-on-year, while net income slid 10%. The company now expects sales growth in its fiscal 2023 of 4.5% to 6.5%. But while Cisco Cisco's numbers top estimates. The company is still struggling to grow as the technology world rapidly shifts to cloud and subscription software and they are away from buying physical boxes. And that's all we're tracking in the US markets. Thank you so much for that, Dan. Holistic uh, look at what's happening globally. Some of the other stories we are tracking will be the crypto fallout as well as Nordex shrinking for the first time in nearly two years. Ryan Huang will have the details for us very shortly. But first, Dan is going to give us the rundown of what's happening in Singapore. 
And that's right. So back at home, we're currently 11 minutes into the local trading day. And it looks like things are slightly on the positive end here in Singapore as compared to the rest of the region with the Straits Times Index currently trading higher by 0.43% at 3,280 points. Now, this comes against the backdrop of Singapore's non-oil domestic exports, which revealed that it contracted by a shock 5.6% year-on-year in October. Now, Ryan will have the details for us, but before we get into it, here are some stocks that are worth watching out for today. DBS, it says it will open a representative office in Dhaka, Bangladesh. And the move will expand the bank's international presence to 19 markets globally and also forms part of its commitment to support its clients' expansion plans in the region. Next on the list, ST Engineering, its subsidiary Transcore has been awarded turnkey tolling systems contracts in the US worth a total of $1.47 billion. Now, ST Engineering says the Transcore will replace the existing tolling infrastructure with its own flagship toll collection system that integrates automatic vehicle identification and vehicle classification. And that's all we're tracking for the local markets. Let's bring in Ryan and Raushan on the show to see what they're tracking. Thank you so much for that, Dan. Now, Ryan, I know you're chomping at a bit to tell us all about Nodex, so why don't you start with that? Okay, let's start with the numbers out this morning around the Nodex figures and non-all domestic exports like you headline are down for the first time in nearly two years. So 5.6% drop in October. By and large, we did expect a drop, but this was worse than expected. So it is down 5.6% following the 3.1% growth in September. We were already looking out for a growth slowdown in the final three months of the year because of all the factors around the global economy, a slowdown in China and many other places. Hmm. It's just weighing on demand for exports. So this drop was worse than a 1.7% contraction based on the consensus forecast, 5.6% down in October. And that drop was led by weak Electronics exports which shrank 9.3% year-on-year. It is an improvement from the 10.6% drop in the previous month. Also dropping non-electronic exports down 4.5%, reversing from September's growth of 7.6%. So it's a sign of how things are playing out for regional economies. Just export growth slowing down. In the previous month, September, we had China, one of the reasons why exports mm. were lower. So this is something that could continue to play out in the coming months. And of course, a lot will hinge on whether China will declare a reopening of its economy in time to come. So far, it's been pretty much rumours and speculation. So hopefully we get there soon. Yep, certainly something we will be keeping an eye out on. Speaking of things we're keeping an eye on, on is the crypto fallout. And there's been a massive collateral effect on FTX fall last Last week, I believe. So, Brian, what's the latest on that? Yeah, last Friday, we had FTX declaring bankruptcy. And this morning, Tomasic has released a statement. So, mm. it is in the Straits Times. If you want to read into the details, just to give you the summary, Tomasic is writing down its $275 million Oof. investment in FTX. And this is based on... A minority stake of 1%, it took an FTX International at $210 million. It pumped in another $65 million for a minority stake of about 1.5% in the American subsidiary FTX US. So, Tomasic says, all in, this $275 million that he's writing down is just 0.09% of his net portfolio value 
of $403 billion as of the end of March this year. So this was carried out, the investments investments across two funding rounds back last year in October till this year in January. So this is also seeing Tamasek reiterate that they did not invest in cryptocurrencies directly. They have all along been saying they want to take part in the ecosystem of blockchain and mm. cryptocurrencies. So this is something they are trying to be clear about as well. And it's not just Tomasic that's writing down their investments. We have Sequoia Capital recently writing down $214 million they bet on the exchange. SoftBank is also said to be anticipating a loss of around $100 million. Tomasic mm. says it did conduct extensive due diligence, which took about eight months back last year from February to October. And during that period, we reviewed the firm's audited financial statement, which showed it to be profitable. And those due diligence efforts were focused on regulatory risks, particularly licensing and compliance. It also got advice from external legal and cybersecurity specialists. So it did do its homework. And I think it's a reflection of how tough it was to really figure out what's happening in the cryptocurrency space yeah. under the covers. Yeah, certainly plenty to digest there from uh, Ryan. Dan, any thoughts on uh, the fallout that's gripping the crypto world? Yeah, it's uh, it's very clear that, you know, it's all this impact of the FTS fallout is slipping into the rest of the crypto world. I mean, BlockFi is also preparing for its potential bankruptcy and it made plans last night as, you know, they are heavily exposed to the collapse of the FTX exchange and they, you know, they've recently halted their withdrawals of customer deposits and mm. acknowledged that their significant exposure has caused them to lead to this current situation that they are finding themselves in. So as you can see, you know, as we develop over the next few weeks, we, we will just be watching out for different companies that have their various exposures to FTX yeah. and see how they perform. Yeah, speaking of different companies, Ryan, you've got your eye on Genesis Global Trading as yeah. well as Gemini Exchange. The list is getting longer. So Genesis Global Trading, the lending arm of the crypto investment bank, Genesis Global Capital, is pausing new loan originations and redemptions. Mm. So this is a sign that they are reviewing everything they have in terms of exposure to FTX and Gemini Exchange. This is a big one, uh, founded by the Winklevoss twins. You might know them as being part of the early days of Facebook. Uh, so they have paused withdrawals on their interest-bearing earned accounts mm. in the, on the Gemini Exchange as a result of what's happening at Genesis. Mm. Genesis is the lending partner for that program. Uh, Gemini says... No changes for other products and services, at least for now, no impact. So we are seeing ripple effects playing out. And the CEO of Binance has come out to say everything will be fine. Mm. So mm. he has come out with an industry recovery fund. That's so nice of him. This is where he is pitching it to be able to help other industry players, even rivals, to overcome that pain in the short term. Mm. So the stronger players just helping out the you know, the weaker ones in the short term to tide things over. And I guess it's something they want to see, a healthy ecosystem. Uh, but he did say he can't save everybody. Mm -hmm. If a project is mismanaged on multiple fronts, they wouldn't be able to help them anyway. So this cryptocurrency fund, or rather this recovery fund for the cryptocurrency industry comes as we see all these issues play out, even the price of Bitcoin is going down. And when you think about how many of these companies are being set up, they sometimes have collateral based on 
coins, Bitcoin, whatever mm. coin. So mm. when the value of these coins go down big time, it can lead to a lot of margin pressures for them and liquidity crunches and maybe some bank on the bank, run on the banks as well, mm. which you've seen at FTX. Mm. So this is something that could be interesting to watch out for. And also on that front, he wants to form an organization to establish what he calls best practices across the crypto industry. Yep. So something that could be helpful to give more clarity to how things operate, some mm. transparency, which some people say is lacking. Mm. Um, he says regulation will not fix everything, but at least it will help to reduce it. So mm. it's important to have the right expectations. And he says right now, the traditional regulators are more of a traditional mindset. So they need to get a crypto mindset. Mm. So whatever that means. So this is something <laughs> that will continue to play out as we see regulation try to catch up with technology but it's leaving the industry quite divided because Mm. on the other hand you have Dr. Doom as he's known (laughs) economist Norel Rubini he's often cited for all his usually accurate predictions of how things go wrong Mm. so he came out with his own view that the crypto ecosystem is totally corrupt and he came up with seven C's for the crypto world concealed corrupt crooks criminals con men carnival barkers and finally the CEO of Binance Chang Zhao so that's the seven C's of crypto Mm, mm. wow that's so it depends on which camp you're in. <laughs> exactly. I, I think there are two camps in this. And I just want to quickly ask, just to wrap up this conversation about crypto, slightly speculative question, but there's so much uncertainty at this moment. I mean, Binance announcing their help for recovery is promising, but there's so much uncertainty. A year from now, where will we stand on cryptos? Dan, why don't you take that question first? I'm going to sit on fence on this because uh, as of now, we have a lot of people from the traditional finance end uh, reporting that cryptocurrencies, like what Ryan has mentioned, it's it's like a fraud or it's a delusion. Mm. And like what, I mean, I'm, what I'm quoting from Charlie Munger, mm. he recently said that, you know, he's seeing a lot of delusion and partly fraud and partly delusion. And that's a very bad combination of to course. have, yeah, especially in the, the, the crypto space, you see. So yes, I think I'll just uh, wait out and see. I won't make any conclusions as of now. Ryan? Uh, Ryan? Yeah, it's very interesting to see this trend play out, which is personality-driven businesses, right? Mm. So everybody's been quite captured by SBF or Sam Bankman-Fried for quite some time. You know, mm. this 30-year-old founder of this company that suddenly shot out of nowhere, mm. and they really just lapped up the entire story. And it really reminds me of another guy not too long ago who was running WeWork, mm. also based on personality, uh, right? Mm, Everyone yeah. bought into the story, even though... We had a lot of naysayers and critics saying, hey, this is just a guy renting out office space. So Mm, why are we giving him so much credit? Mm. And why is the valuation so high? Mm. So this is a case of history repeating itself almost, Mm. where people are willing to look past certain warning signs Mm -hmm, and just see or hope for the best. Mm. Um, But I think with what's playing out, the tougher times, the risk of recession, liquidity uh, crunches and the rising rates that is making it harder for people to borrow and to to invest as well, we will see more of these incidences and maybe even cases of fraud start to emerge. Mm, 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 mm. Certainly something we'll be keeping a close eye on. Thank you so much, Ryan Huang, Dan Ko, for joining me on Market View this morning. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, 
Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.